0: Welcome to The Wheelhouse. The Wheelhouse lives on. This is episode six.
1: History. Still searching for sponsors. <laughs> <Again. laughs>
0: <laughs> you notice I have an unmarked coffee cup next week. This might have something on it. It's an opportunity, that it's, is. Yeah, story to be told. Hi, Kate
1: Bates. It's good to be back. Gee, there's a lot on, isn't there, Joel?
0: There's so much to get through today. It's um, and, and all good stuff. Let's, let's get right into it and talk about transfer season because there's been big news for Aussies and... Your mate Spratty.
1: Yes, Spratty Blue Shoes. Did you know she wore Lucky Blue Shimano shoes? No. Well, you'll have to look in pictures now. She always has these fantastic Lucky Blue Shimano shoes whenever she goes well. Wow. Um, but Spratty Blue Shoes from the Blue Mountains in New South Wales, she's been with Bike Exchange or an iteration of back when it was Orica Edge. Yep. From 2012, she's leaving after a decade. She's on the move. She's headed to Trek, Sagafredo. Yep. Big news. An
0: 11-year stint. And also the defection yeah. from Australia to America, in a sense.
1: Well, yes, I mean, yes, I suppose you could look at it like that. But actually, there's a lot of history for the Aussies at Trek. I mean, we've got uh, Loretta Hansen there at the moment, Chloe Hosking. She'll be very much at home. And a lot of the Dutch writers, like Ellen Van Dyke, is there. She spent a lot of time with the Aussies as well. So she'll go into a comfortable environment. But some of our best road riders have worked with and raced alongside Ina Totenberg, who's their team director. And uh, she spent a lot of time in Australia herself. I think that Spratty will thrive there. And I think she's had a a hard couple of years. She's come back from some really significant injuries. Things haven't really gone to plan as she hoped. And I think for her, it's probably just a last chance to reinvigorate her career a bit. Before she calls it a day, I mean, this may be feasibly the last contract she signs. Yep, not necessarily, but it's feasible, and I think it's a really brave move for her to go elsewhere to to cap that off. It wouldn't have been an easy decision.
0: She's thirty four. I have, to, I got, I just have to ask the awkward question here. She's she's a leader now. Injury concerns everywhere. She had very serious surgery last September. This year has been disrupted. COVID crashes. Uh, in the women's tour as well. I, I There's no nice way of putting, is it is it too late to sort of to, no. to dominate at 34?
1: No. no. Annemiek van Vloten won the Tour de France Femme 39. Yeah. Yep. Stick that up your jumper.
0: So you reckon... <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I mean, I think you can discuss age or you like, look at Valverde. Yep. It's probably not the general rule, but I think that there's a lot of athletes that can perform well into, uh, you know, their mid, late 30s. Rachel Nalen's another really great example. Uh, she's, I think, my vintage. So she'd be yep. 40, pushing 40, and she's still performing at the top level. So I think Spratty's got some years left in her, definitely. It's just about perhaps doing things slightly differently, given that she's been a bit of a, you know, a bit of a nail, just been hammered for years, needs a bit of a fresh outlook. But it's big news for Aussies because there's it's a huge. lot of people with Orica Green Edge jerseys with Jacob Bike Exchange jerseys following Spratty, so the I mean I guess the question is, do they follow Spratty, or do they stay with the team? Do they
0: stay with the team? Their and loyalties. Th- yes, it's a great discussion because we were talking last week about the, the Bike Exchange drain. Mm. She's a big. She's a figurehead. She is.
1: well. There's a actually a rider from Trek, Letizia Paternoster Yeah, that's one of the biggest young talents. She won. Her first stage of Tour Down Under yep. uh, back in, I'm going to say, 2019, 2020. Uh, her first ever World Tour race. She won it. Super talent. She's heading from Trek over to Bike Exchange. So wow. doing a little bit of tag in the middle.
0: And, of course, you famously didn't catch up with Spratty's father.
1: I didn't. At the, at no, the airport, that's right. Yeah, in. with Graham. I yeah. thought I, I mistook a poor gentleman uh, for Graham Sprat. I got very excited. It was not him. However... Alternate Dad, I reckon he's probably still listening, Joel. So shout out to Alternate Dad. I wonder
0: if Alternate Dad has gone out and bought a trek shirt just to
1: to well, commemorate this news. He should, yeah, absolutely.
0: Amanda Spratt, two-year deal until the end of 24. As you say, maybe just coming into her prime. Maybe that, maybe she'll be there for longer. Maybe she'll be there for five, six. Can she top the 11 she's been with Bike Exchange? It remains to be seen. It's exciting times. I've got to grab a quote from her. She said. I still feel young at heart. Oh, my move to trek Segafredo has me feeling like a kid in a candy store, and I like candy a lot.
1: <laughs> Did you <she> really say <laughs> she that? Said oh, that's that. fantastic! Isn't that fantastic? It's, I mean, isn't that a bit of perspective, though? Like, I still feel young at heart, honey. You're 34. <laughs> you are young. <laughs> you, are <younger. laughs> yeah. you are young. You are young. Body and heart. But yes, in terms of sporting age, I suppose that's a, a slightly different thing. And male or woman you are told that you're past your prime at that age. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like poor 30-year-old women, single women with a TikTok biological clock. Like, it's a real thing in sport in life. Of course it is. um, For women. And so I think for Spratty, that's quite a cool quote.
0: And look, good on athletes like here who can continue to disprove that theory. Of course, you've got exactly. sports science, all those kind of things that, that, that are helping athletes in so many sports go beyond what is traditionally thought of as retirement age.
1: Exactly. And her mum and dad, I'll um, seal the real great the actual Graham. The actual, the Graham. actual dad, and uh, mum, Lynn. We'll be at the World Championships in Wollongong. So we'll talk about all of that a little bit later, but it's exciting to have them all coming back to our shores.
0: Indeed, sharing the candy. Uh, she likes candy a lot. Amanda Spray, yes. congratulations to her. This is the Wheelhouse Podcast. My name's Joel Spadborough. Kate Bates is here as well. Let's continue on transfer season briefly if we can, because mystery swirls around Richie Carapaz. We know he's leaving Ineos. Where is, he, is he going? going Kate?
1: I can tell you, confidentially, the wheelhouse has not been in contact with him. I find um, that
0: difficult to believe because I mean, our tentacles are, are extensive.
1: <laughs> Incidentally, we also haven't been in touch with the UCI to gain a Pro Tour licence. So the two may be... It's pending. There may be some correlation there. Uh, I don't know. And there's The only rumour is about um, EF Education First. That's it. Oh, wow. But they're not strong rumours. But he's got to be going somewhere because if he wasn't going somewhere, we'd know. Just like Mark Cavendish, when he wasn't going anywhere, we all knew about it. And, you know, at this point in the season, they tend to be quite public about looking for a team. Sure. Um, Which is the next one, Joel. Have you been in touch with Cav? Because... I don't know where he's going.
0: I've been screening his calls because he's been asking for his watch back. I borrowed his watch. I just <laughs> thought, oh, sorry, sorry, I missed you, man. I'll get that watch, that five hundred grand watch, back to you. But no, what, what's what's happening with the Max missile? He's yeah. He's up in I the mean, air he's too.
1: still linked to EF as well, Education yep. First. Although maybe he's linked there because they don't have a full roster yet, yep. and so people are just kind of pontificating that perhaps that's where he'll go. Okay. Uh, or B&B hotels. So we did discuss that last week, uh, that he may be tripping his way around France in retirement uh, in the Airbnbs. <laughs> After, the, Oh, no, that's sorry. Right. B&B, yeah, B&B hotels. hotels aren't the, aren't the Airbnbs. <laughs> Not the same. But, uh, yeah, post-retirement plan. But, no, I don't know. I guess wait and see.
0: It's interesting, but speaking about Evergreen, we were talking about ages and that kind of thing. Keeps Mm. on The gift that keeps on giving there, I'm sure he'll end up somewhere. Yes, look,
1: he's no spring chicken in terms of athletic age.
0: Yep. All right, let's Mm. go to Scandinavia because uh, the tour wrapped up, Tour of Scandinavia, six great stages, a breakthrough season for Alex Manley, continues. A a stage win and, more importantly, a podium overall,
1: third place. She's a legend. She really is. She had an incredible early career on the track, was world champion in the team's pursuit. But anybody who watched her from juniors knew that she had this huge potential, but she was always like the bridesmaid, never the first picked in a team, never the one that had all the lights and glitter around her. But hard to argue that she wasn't the most talented. It's just taken some time. She's so committed and so dedicated. But the other thing she is, and I love this about athletes who – Take a bit of time to blossom. You know, a few years, they yeah. don't come in and make this massive impact. Her strategy is incredible. Her ability to read a race is second to none. And that will get her further than any physical ability. And that's why Mariana Voss wins so much, because on top of this incredible physical gift, she can read a race like nobody else. And so Alex Manley coming through, it's really exciting to see her really make that impact. She did that at. Uh, the Turingen Tour earlier in the year, albeit yes. not World Tour. And I think for her, that changed the game. It gave her the confidence to make the moves when people might say, ah, it's a little bit risky. She stopped riding the safe race yep. uh, and she very could easily could have lost the stage she won in Scandinavia if she wasn't so determined. But it's awesome. I think that we're going to see a lot more of her in the next couple of years. Huge year. And even by a cycling age, she's still very young. Oh, so all she's not ahead even of her. 30. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, goodness heavens. Yeah, she's basically <laughs> a rookie. Yes.
0: Uh, two years focusing on track, but coming out of it this year. And it's been a real red letter year. Is that the right expression? Red letter? I mean, good. I'm, I'm not sure that I've I, heard I that, but we can that. run
1: with that. It works.
0: A green letter year, a blue letter year, whatever oh, colour look, means good. Let's go good. with red, because
1: uh, the Welters on this month.
0: Thank you. Red jersey there. There you go. Uh, Fourth in the in the in the tour and fourth in France. She's been in the top ten in five of the six stages in Scandinavia as well. So what what I love about that is always in the mix, consistent. Says a lot.
1: Very consistent.
0: That's exciting. Uh, Your mate Cecily. So
1: everybody's mate Cecily. Yeah, Bludvik. A friend. Utrabladvik. A friend of the wheelhouse. Wait, she's Danish. That means she's my cousin. I mean, long lost.
0: She's part of the the extended Bates family. She survived a a, a heap of attacks in that final stage, prevailed her first ever world tour stage race victory. Very significant for her.
1: Mm. My first and only uh, equivalent world tour podium on the road was in Australia in Geelong. And I point that out because racing on home soil is incredibly powerful. It does so much... It adds so much if you've already got form there. Yep. We knew that she had form at the tour. Very buoyant coming out of that. And I think that home crowd and just how hot Scandinavia is about cycling at the moment. Indeed, yeah. It's just fantastic.
0: Well, we saw it early on. We saw it, that, that I think it was the second stage. I was going along the coast and the people were just absolutely oh, blocking loving it. They were going
1: bananas. It. it was fantastic.
0: I think the stage five, the mountaintop finish prevailing there... Forged, I think they call it the Queen Stage.
1: They do. That's
0: a great they name do. for a stage. Yeah,
1: even even in the men's racing, they call it the Queen Stage, which I think is very powerful. Yeah. Mm. I mean, good. over. I mean, meanwhile, over in the. Men's side, they were also up in Scandinavia, uh, tour of Norway, Arctic tour of Norway, I think it's called. And uh, for most combative, Joel, they had a Viking jersey. I
0: love that. I wanted to ask you about the Viking jersey. Forget about the polka dots, uh, the mayo. I take
1: the Viking jersey every day. I mean, what I want to know, though, is do they get one of the helmets with the... Well, they have to. I think so. I remember when
0: I lived in Sydney, just quickly, we used to get pizza from a place called Vikings and the person would deliver it on the motorbike wearing Did he really? the horned helmet. So the <laughs> motorbike and modified <laughs> motorbike helmet with the horns. It's like, why would you not do that? It's worth it just for that. Before we finish in Scandin- <laughs> Scandinavia, uh, Scandinavia, I want to talk about Mariana Voss because this is one of the great quirks. I love it. The intricacies, four stage wins.
1: Four stage but, wins. She's the goat.
0: She's the goat. She's reinforced She's the, goat. the status.
1: It's, well, it's interesting, isn't it? You can win four stages like she did, but not be anywhere overall. There's not many sports where it happens like that.
0: It fascinates me mm. the intricacies. And the, I remember when I first came watch, watching the tour and watching Pog sort of sit back a bit on certain stages, mm. like he knows what he's playing with i so they go, go, Pog, just run, win it all. It's like, no, I don't need to.
1: I think it highlights, it's like when sport imitates life, like two very different ways of operating just in general. Yep. There's some people that um, want a bit more instant gratification now, 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 and they chase the victories and the highs of that, and other people who can just sit back with the patients and yep. play the long game. And, uh, yeah, look, I was never one for the long game, I've got to be honest.
0: Yeah. Well, no, no, I, I, my nickname <laughs> is Empty Hospital. Em- no Patients.
1: Oh, oh, oh I, I like that Can't one. do it.
0: Just can't. So sit there going, I like hammer that. and tong. Yes. Just get it done.
1: Well, and, and before we do leave Scandinavia, but very quickly, uh, one of the riders who should have been there and could have been very successful, Emily Moberg, who rides for La Col she had a bad concussion and has sat most of the season out. Uh, but she's a local and, in fact, her father runs the race and she wanted to show her support. So she turned up. In a chicken suit. Oh, good! On the bike. <laughs> In a chicken suit. I mean, I'm not. It's fantastic. I have no idea where the chicken is relevant, but I think it's a ripper. That's
0: what I'm trying to think. It's not like yeah. an official mascot or anything like that. No,
1: no, it's it's not. But it's yeah.
0: Okay, okay we'll look into that. Because there could be yeah. something around that. Uh, everyone racing in chicken suits could Give be a thing a in the Give it a go. We'll, get, we'll get you one.
1: We'll get Mercy onto it.
0: Well, we saw how cold it was in the tour last year. Everyone was rung up. Why not just wear Why chicken suits? Why not just wear
1: chicken suits? Yeah, we'll send that to ASO.
0: This is the Wheelhouse Podcast. My name's Joel Sprebro. Kate Bates is here as well. Now, I want to move on to comebacks, and, and in particular, the most recent uh, and extraordinary comeback. The comeback King Egan Bernal 7 months ago, crashed into a stationary bus, 20 fractures, 95% chance of becoming a paraplegic. It's nauseating to talk about, isn't it? Mm. He's back.
1: He's back. What, Bernal is back. What's going There's on? There's a documentary in that. I haven't been on the documentary ideas in a while. Uh, it is so good to have him back. I think there would have been a lot of moments from the moment of the accident to right now where he questioned ability to come back. He would have had a lot of people supporting him, a huge amount of support, but equally he would have had a fair few detractors yeah. and he would have had some people like I'm thinking his mum, who says, darling, you've had an amazing career. It's okay to let go. Call
0: it a day. Yeah. Like
1: you have to, if you're coming back from that kind of injury and that kind of rehab process, you have to be doing it for the right reasons. And the right reason can be to prove everyone wrong and to prove that you can do it. But that fairy tale doesn't happen every time. So it's just tremendous. It's so good to see him back.
0: Is, is that the greatest fuel? Is that the, the, the defiance of others' expectations? Is that the greatest
1: fuel? Oh, I think everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, there's some athletes who are very talented and have a pretty easy pathway. And so for them, they didn't need to be fueled by that. Yeah. Um, but there's certainly, I think, mind over matter a bit. And when it comes to injury, major injury... There is definitely a battle within yourself where you have to prove it to yourself. And I think the fitness and health required to be an elite athlete is quite tremendous. And you make a living out of your body. So regardless of anything you want to do, so much of your self-worth is attached yep. to what your body is capable of. And so for banal, it would have been a very big part of the journey. And then anybody at all who said, it doesn't matter because you've achieved a lot, that is definitely fuel because it's not about that, the core of it.
0: It's uh, Look, I know it is for me because if, if, if I'm with my partner and we're eating pizza and she's like, there's no way you're going to eat those last two slices. So oh. oh, you watch, watch me. me. <laughs> um, now, I've got a, qu- a quote. I love this quote. That day, this is Egan Bernal, the, the journey that I've been on since will be a part of me forever. Something I will never forget. And, uh, oh, of course bit, he won't.
1: It's a bit emotive, Joel.
0: It is a bit, it's A
1: bit of a tearjerker. I
0: I've, I admire him. I think he's got a lot of tenacity, as as mm. all pro cyclists do. To be fair, but we've seen him struggle uh, in the past and never never stops. Yeah, uh, I and mean, I think that you know,
1: it's one of those kind of cliches. Like it's about the journey, not the destination. Yeah, but I think if you look at the whole spectrum of an athlete's career, there's a lot. More races you lose than you win, and when you step away from it, you have to do so in a way that you're quite proud of the decisions you made along the way. He might never be as good as he was, he may never win another race, but the fact that he's even back in the pro peloton that should define him as much as the things he's won because that is just remarkable
0: 100%. Mm. I think it's great. We'll do, we'll do a special on greatest comebacks. Not today, but Definitely, some stage. Yes. Some stage. Uh, I want to talk about the Euros. Firstly, what's the deal? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know they're a bit odd, aren't they? It's it's like Commonwealth Games, but no, not really. So it's a continental championship. We participate for Australia in the Oceania Championships. Okay. And most sports have it, or a lot of sports have it. It's not a big deal, especially Oceania. It's not a huge... They're called confederations. Uh, and so the European Confederation is one of those. But a couple of years ago, they decided to make it a bit bigger and bring all the sports together. Now, it is, it's an odd combo of sports. It's like kayaking, rock climbing, volleyball, cycling. Like, they're a really odd combination of sports because only the ones that have this confederated model actually work with it. Uh-huh. Um, but it's elevated the status of this for media purposes, yeah, and I think for the athletes as well. So they love it. And now if they win, they wear the European champions jersey in the peloton. So if you're Oceania champion, you you wear that as well.
0: Yeah. I thought you wore your yep. Parramatta jersey.
1: Oh, I wear my para jersey as much as possible You've got that on underneath. Joel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> At all times. Yeah. I mean, it's okay.
1: tattooed down my rib cage. Oh, good. It's not
0: really. <laughs> uh, some some highlights from the Eurozone that you wanted to, to cover. Mm. Viviani... Uh, road and track road.
1: proficiency. He rode road and track. That's mm. like a tongue twister in that. He rode the 207 kilometre road race. Uh-huh. He finished seventh. It was in a sprint. Uh, Fabio Jakobsen won, which another, you know, we've talked about him throughout the tour when he nearly made time cut one stage. It's like, what a story. What a great comeback from him. So Viviani was seventh. He wasn't too impressed with that. He uh, had a big bowl of pasta, I'm assuming. That's stereotyping <laughs> given his Italian. And he went to the velodrome yeah. and he won the elimination. He wow. raced that wow. night less than five hours later. It's just mind boggling. It's incredible. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what he was thinking. When he said to them, oh, after I finish, I'm not going to put on an accent. Go after, on. No, after we finish the road race, I'm going to go over and ride the track. Yeah. And they would have probably laughed.
0: I was going to say, maybe someone said, no, you're not. Like, good no, on you, man. Can't.
1: Yeah. Alas. That's Andy won. Uh, so there you go. Uh,
0: the two Stephans. Mm. Uh, they teamed
1: up. No. They teamed up. It. No. And it was an individual time trial. And I loved the Euro individual time trial because Stefan Bissiger and Stefan Kung yep. were only one second apart uh, for the gold and silver. Only then eight seconds back to Filippo Gunner getting the third. But Such close competition, it bodes so well for the time trials to come. But it is worth noting that it was only twenty three kilometers. Okay. So most time trials are in the mid forty kilometers. Yeah. So a bit of a short one, but interesting. The Steffens are taking over. Yeah. The Swiss Steffens, and it happened in the women too. Marlon Roos, also Swiss. Okay. um, Make good chocolate. That was a big showdown.
0: Uh, Van Dyke, Ellen Van Dyke, and Marlon Roos was was quite a hyped. Showdown. It was. bodes pretty well for Roos uh, for Wollongong.
1: Well, Van Dyke's, you know, reigning world champion yeah. Marlon Roos was second at the Olympics last year, and just keeps getting better and better. Actually, she's had a great year with SD Works uh, this year. But what I loved about these women is Van Dyke came out before and said, "I'm here to win," like no no mincing her words, yeah. no dancing around it. Just threw it out there. Didn't win, and so said, "I'm bummed. I got second. See you in Wollongong." Like, see you in the go. Ooh, like evil that. eyes. Yeah. I love that, that they're not, you know, saying, oh, because what we used to hear from the athletes was, oh, I've been working hard. I'll see how I go. Anything can happen. Yeah. And you're like, come on now. And I love that they're willing to say, yeah, no, I came to win. 100%. And I won or I didn't win, but yeah. It's great. Theatre sets the stage it. It uh,
0: for the great heights of, well, Mount Kira and, yeah. and Wollongong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, it's it's it is it's really really exciting, and of course Garner, who you mentioned, um, one that didn't get away for Ineos, he resigned for four years, I think. He is. This He's going to well. be
1: part of the team oh, for a while. Oh, there it is. <laughs> now,
0: moving along on the wheelhouse podcast, and th- this has been a big uh, an issue of the week. I'm going to we're, we're going to throw now to Nairo Quintana, stripped of his sixth overall uh, tour finish. An um,
1: Issue indeed.
0: Tramadol. Mm. Tramadol. Stringent denial. First offence, uh, 10 days, which is now probably eight days to appeal. Still lining up for the Vuelta, or still allowed to line up for the welter I should say. You've got some thoughts on this?
1: Well, he's pulled the pin for Vuelta, which is interesting. But I do have thoughts because I think, so firstly, it's really important to note, it's not a doping violation. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in the wider code. There is nothing in the anti-doping code. It is part of the medical policy of the UCI. And they say that it is in order to protect the rider's health and the bunch's health. The basis of which is that if you have tramadol in your system, you probably shouldn't be operating a bicycle. Now, I'm not sure I would disagree with that. Um, Everything I've seen on social media, people are writing stories about that one time they had tramadol after going to the dentist and... You know, they were seeing stars. So I think anecdotally, it's not a great thing. But the contention of it is that it's not on the anti-doping list. Yes. Where every other opioid is, you can't take Endone on the bike. You can't take fentanyl. You can't take this whole slew of drugs that under narcotics, under S7 of the WADA code, are banned.
0: Oxycontin, that kind of thing. All that sort of stuff.
1: But tramadol is not on there. And so that's a bit of a quirk because are the UCI saying, like, what are they trying to do with this policy? Is it about more of a social behaviour? Because I think that's what it is. I think it's about their concern that people are misusing the substance for performance enhancement, even though it's not a proven performance enhancement. Yeah. But they think by people even pushing the limit with it, they're putting themselves and other people in danger. But it's anecdotal. There is no evidence of this. I think it became a bit of a political football. So regardless of whether it was in his sample or not, Quintana has not recorded any kind of drug violation. Yeah. And I do think that that's important to note.
0: I, look, absolutely. I understand the determination to clear his name. Stringent denials. And the bigger question is, you say, substances that aren't wider banned and aren't performance-enhancing, as you say... Uh, Where does the line get drawn between behaviour control, pain management?
1: Yeah, it's really really nuanced. Because I think on the surface of it, a lot of people say, if you're in that much pain, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't be starting. That's a nice overarching statement, but that completely ignores the complexities of any kind of pain. And, you know, recent research has said that, especially chronic pain, mostly comes from your brain. Uh And, you know... You can jiggle for a non-technical term with your neuroplasticity and work on pain management, but that is a very long-term thing. So to simply have a blanket rule that says, you know, to the effect of if you're in pain, there's nothing you can do. For anybody who has chronic pain issues, which I would say, I'd go out on a limb and say that there is a significant portion of athletes who have some kind of chronic pain issues from injuries, from overuse. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're not fit to compete. It is more of a management thing. There is very little they can take. And in fact, based on everything that is banned in the wider code, tramadol may be one of the last remedies for those people. Now, I know that we're talking about a small subset and there'll be a lot of people saying, oh, come on, you know, don't be naive about this. I understand that. But I think that the UCI can't make itself big brother and the ruling of all of that. And I do, it's a slippery slope. I'm, I'm concerned about the exclusion of its use of anything medical for legitimate reasons. And that's why asthma medication, you can take if you have a doctor's certificate, if it is legitimate, because you can't say, oh, well, if you're asthmatic, tough luck, you can't be an athlete. I think chronic pain should fall into the same category. Uh, are not, we
0: heading toward a time where it's saying if look if you're in pain you're off the bike? Oh. And, and if we are what what does that do for the sport? How many how many yeah. of the best riders Yeah, are I missing?
1: mean that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and that you, you say that because it's so ridiculous that 100%. it wouldn't work, right? But I guess we're also not suggesting that Quintana has any kind of chronic pain condition. So for him, it may be. Why on earth is it in his system? So there definitely are a few sides to it. And the distrust, because from now on, he's a doper. That's, the, what, that's how people are going to perceive him.
0: The taint, that taint and the stench of that doesn't go away. And whether it is something, as we were chatting about this before, the, the trace elements of, of mm. other things, that have, whatever it is... I wonder, I'm speaking about ghosts of the past, haunting the UCI, that kind of thing. Nairo was among the riders who had their rooms searched the tour in 2020 as well. Has he been on the radar for a while or is it just caught up?
1: Yeah, no, he has been. And I think that the UCI in the past turned a blind eye. They yeah. knew a lot that was going on, but they felt that the sport, it was like the banks that were too big to fail. Like, the, these people were too big to bring down, so just ride the wave of it yep. and build the the sport on the back of people they knew that were doing the wrong thing. They were completely complicit in that. They can't be anymore, but there's a fine line between where they then go too far, I think, in reputationally painting. Uh, like, every rider gets asked about it. Yep. Still... And it's not fair. But the journalists, of course, they're doing their job to ask about it. And, you know, I think the UCI still lacks in having a robust enough framework around all of that to protect the athletes as much as the integrity of the sport.
0: It's nothing new. If I may briefly, let's jump in the wheelhouse time machine. (laughs) It's 2014. Okay, Michael Barry came out and said very, was quite vocal, saying... Yeah, tramadol. Whew. Felt like I had a new set of legs. I, 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 I the, the, all the pain disappeared, and I, I got a little bit of an extra zing from it. Yeah, it that's... took five years for them to actually work out and 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 and, and add, add, apply this policy to it.
1: Well, and it, a lot of it came off the back of comments like that, but also it was well known. You know, a secret, a, a well known secret that Sky were using tramadol for. Pain, not pain management but, you know, sore leg management and then countering it with caffeine to make sure that those drowsy, don't-operate-machinery kind of effects yeah, yeah. didn't... That, that's just an, abusing a substance. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. I'm also... I'm very wary and ethically I think it's a very grey area where any athlete or team seeks an improvement in performance medicinally or with a method, methodology, that is just for that pure purpose. And the the example I'll use is caffeine. Everybody drinks coffee. I think it's a bit of a different story when you start taking caffeine tablets and measuring exactly how much you should take. There'd also be people who say, but that's part of the game, like use every tool available to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. But personally, I... Michael Woods, like that's so disturbing to me yeah. because that's a mentality. That is a broken mentality where if it's not banned, you push every limit. And that's why this will always keep shifting.
0: Yeah. It's it's an interesting one because then if, if caffeine one day does become a thing, the defense is... It has been. A, a cup of coffee. It I love used coffee.
1: to be. So it used to be banned, yeah. like a really small range when I was racing. And you literally had to... Be really conscious of how much coffee and yeah. or other products that may have contained coffee, but ultimately they realize that actually once you have too much, you go over the other side and it's worse for performance, so they didn't need to worry about it but yeah, there's the,
0: a the bigger picture too, Nara. Not not being in Spain, and and the reason for that being, I guess, the PR, the look, the impact oh, on I the rest so. of the team. It's not all fair.
1: Of that. It's, yeah, it's it's actually not fair on the broader peloton. Yeah, if everyone's just chasing that, so I think he's done the right thing, whether it was his choice or the team decided. I think that's the right decision.
0: One to watch. One, one to, to watch. watch. It's it always a shame to see these kind of stories. This one struck me as extremely. I guess ambiguous as well. I, I mm. li- You know, I love my, my collision sports and my contact sports, painkilling injections, soft tissue injections, corticosteroids, all of that is so common. Mm. The argument there is, if you're injured and you go off the field, you get a, 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 literally get a needle in your shoulder to cover that, go out with a, a shoulder feeling better than it did at the start of the game. Mm. You hit harder. I don't know. That's Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Anyway. I mean that yeah ethically that's a very fine line as well. There's a whole episode in that, that's for sure. Oh, there is
0: there is let's uh, let's move on the wheelhouse podcast. Uh, Kate Bates is here. I'm Joel Spreber as well. I'm also here. <laughs> let's before we move on, I, I just want to quickly take a segue because I've discovered something, Kate. It's new. It's this new craze, right? It's called Ooh. GPS art or Strava art. Oh you might not have heard of it. That's
1: kind of sweet, Joel. That you think it's new. Oh,
0: is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's cool.
1: <laughs> it is cool. But what have you got for me? No,
0: I'm kidding. It has been around for a fair while. But look, I stumbled across this this outstanding piece of GPS art, right? A couple. Uh, they rode across seven countries. They rode 7,250 kilometers in Europe and they drew a giant bike. We're having a look at it now. If wow. you're listening on, this covers seven countries from France, I believe, across all the way across Germany. Uh, there's... Anyway, how's your geography? Terrible, yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's lots of mountains. Oh. And yeah, anyway, they were doing it to raise awareness for uh, how cycling can tackle the climate emergency, which is very noble. Their names: Daniel Reno Kirkhope, and Ariana Kasaragi and their dog Zola oh. went along for the ride as well. There's there's photos of it on Instagram. It's 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 the believed to be the largest piece of GPS art. Ever created. And, and as I say, across those seven countries, France and Germany and, and, all, and those all those ones other ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, outstanding photos. But I did a bit of digging. As you say, it's nothing new. There are some outstanding pieces of art out there. You know I'm a Star Wars guy.
1: I do. Oh, you've got a Star Wars tattoo. I mean, that's giveaway, right?
0: Uh-huh. I found a Darth Vader. There's a giant Darth Vader. The Dark Lord of the Sith. There's dinosaurs. Wow.
1: Wow, Look it's at impressive. Feeder. Yes.
0: There's a sausage dog as well.
1: Oh, I like the little sausage dogs. A giraffe. a giraffe. So this field art is so impressive, and I wonder I mean it's done using GPS. There's, the goat. There's a goat. There's a goat. That's in Perth. That's <laughs> the fantastic. Boss one. <laughs> Yeah, they just need to put a bit of, oh, uh, may the idea. force be with you. These are sensational. Yeah. I mean, a lot of planning must go into these.
0: Elvis. Elvis. Now, it got me thinking, Kate, I, I love art. As you know, I'm a, a bit of a, a fine arts guy. Uh, I so didn't know
1: that, but I do now. That's good.
0: Got here, <laughs> also loving my writing. So I thought, I'm going to give it a go. And I went okay. for a ride right. uh, on the weekend. And I clocked up about 69 Ks. Nice. And I drew. It's nearly uh, a record. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It was an outstanding ride. And I drew a rocket ship.
1: Right. Give us a oh. What <laughs> No. Uh, um <clears throat> well if you're listening along and not looking, you will definitely have to jump on the socials to see Joel's rocket. Yeah. Um Are you sticking with it's a rocket?
0: What else? Could I it think be? your
1: design skills may need a bit of work. There's no like takeoff. Oh gosh, I can't say that in an eloquent way uh, it, It's a beautiful rocket
0: It's a good rocket, hey, and it's ready for launch uh, <laughs> What's it's on the, the,
1: the little Looks like you got lost a little bit No, that's the, the
0: that's the platform For the astronauts to go up and go. Oh, you know, like, excellent Ready uh-huh. for launch here in Houston that, That's that bit It's. I thought it out You're a genius 69 kilometres and a rocket <laughs> ship For your viewing pleasure There and as you can see, uh, I took three and a half hours to do it, so I was very careful.
1: You were very careful. I look, a few little details missing, but let's not labour on those, hey?
0: GPS art, mm. what a great new discovery uh, yes. on the Wheelhouse podcast. Yes.
1: Keep at it, thank Keep you, at it, Joel.
0: I have a few names quickly. The guy that, that pioneers a lot of the GPS art is called Michelangelo.
1: But I like that. That's yeah. clever.
0: What do you think of Pedalhardo da Vinci?
1: <laughs> I think Michelangelo is clever.
0: Cleetonado da Vinci.
1: I think Michelangelo is clever.
0: <laughs> Rembrandt.
1: Keep moving. Wait,
0: no, let's let's not do Rembrandt. <laughs> Scratch that. Uh, pedal Van Gogh. Put that
1: in your rocket. Um, Pedal Van Gogh. Go. I like that.
0: This is yours. This is. Bike pedal- Banksy.
1: I like see bike yeah. Banksy. You win. Yeah, thank you, win. you.
0: <laughs> well, well done. Uh, moving on. Let's jump into the final GT of the season. Welter is just around the corner. I'm calling it. Australia's Push for Immortality.
1: There's a documentary in that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, look, you, it's like a lot of gravitas in that. That's quite Whoa. a dramatic name. I like it. 16 Australians. 16. 16. Uh, two who very realistically uh, could take out the Mayo Rojo. Mm. Ro- Rojo?
0: Could win. Yeah, <laughs> Got to get a bit
1: guttural with our Spanish <laughs> pronunciation. If you thought we were in trouble with our... French pronunciations. Oh, yeah. You just wait till Spain. Oh,
0: yeah. I'll be generifying with as much as I Generifying. So going Is for that a win. word? I
1: like it. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can you, be. I,
0: mm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, 16 Aussies, six from Bike Exchange. We were talking last week mm. about the, the de Aussiefication of Bike Exchanges. Six six hopes in there. I want to ask you about Caden Groves. Mm. Uh, a maiden tour stage
1: win potentially beckons. I think that he's a very big, uh, very big chance. Interesting will be the dynamic in the team because he is leaving next year. How committed are they to getting him a stage win? Is it about him or is it about the team? I can see it going both ways. You see it go both ways all the time in transfer season. It's kind of what actually makes the Vuelta. One of the really fun things about the Vuelta is often things go a little bit off course because, you know, riders don't support... Other teammates, like perhaps they should, you know, some people get a little bit offended by yep. a lack of loyalty that they see when riders are on the move. I don't think the Aussies will suffer from that. But, you know, I mean, will Caden Groves stick his elbow in or a headbutt into a DSM rider quite as hard <laughs> as he may have or Alperson? You know, like I, I do think that that's a consideration.
0: You're speaking about teams and support. Mm. What about Rowan Dennis and Yumbo? Well, is, is he the perfect wingman for Rog?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's an individual time trial in there. So the last stage win that we had at the Vuelta, they were both Rowan in 2018. He won the opening uh, time trial. Yep. And he got the Mayo (laughs) Rojo. The win. (laughs) The red jersey. Let's go with the red jersey. There you go. Uh, He took that and he then won the closing time trial that was in the last week. Okay. He's got form. We know that he's targeting the world championships. So that will be, this is his lead in his form finder. Uh, so I reckon that he could be one definitely for the stage wins. But he will be Rog's wingman. Yeah. And a very good one. Too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, is it just Rojo? Is it just... Rojo? 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 Yes. Well, I'm thinking of red wine. Ro- Rojo. Anyway, we'll, we'll work Ro- that out. We'll put oh, it up on our socials. Ro- I Rob, don't know. We'll keep working on that. You'd know more than me. Probably uh, not
1: when it comes to this.
0: All eyes <laughs> on the Perth contingent now. You spoke yes. before about some overall hopes. Jai Hindley, a, ch- a chance... I- I'm going to say a, a a dead set chance at two GT victories in one year. What would that do for him and for Australian cycling?
1: Well, not many have done it mm. globally. Yeah. No Australians have done it. I mean, until Jai, no Australians had won the Giro. No Australians have ever won the Vuelta. To do two in one year... Something else. There's that emoji where the brain explodes. Yeah, That's you, what it is. We
0: speak... Uh, a lot about the the, the the three the Grand Tours, okay, but mm. TDF here, Welter mm. in a lot of people's perceptions down here. If you if he was to win two, so he wins in Italy and Spain, where does it stack up against Cadell twenty eleven? Oh, it's tour. It's
1: far superior. Is it? I mean, I think Cadell himself would say that.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, if you're on the inner circle of cycling and you're the mega fan and you know a lot about it, you would see it the same way. To win yep. two Grand Tours ever in your career, let alone in one year, absolutely amazing. If you're slightly on the outside and you are a more casual fan, then you would see the lights and glitter of the Tour de France.
0: Is, is Spain the poor cousin?
1: It's seen like that, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be? No. And, you know, a really interesting element, I think, of even the broadcast side of it, and SBS do a great job, broadcasting all of the Grand Tours. But you'll notice that the quality of the pictures that's delivered for the Tour de France is far superior than the quality delivered for either the Giro d'Italia or the Vuelta. So even the watching, the viewing quality is a little bit different. Once you notice, you notice. And I think that really enhances uh, the tour as well. The colours look brighter. They're not, but they look a little bit brighter. Uh, But ASO took over the Vuelta a couple of years ago and they've been working very consistently on trying to get that broadcast up and happy to say that last couple of years, it's been a lot better. So you've been exposed to it. So now we can appreciate it. Yeah. A lot of people really fall in love with the Vuelta, but for Aussie fans, it's hard because of the time zones. Mm. It's now the third month block. Where people have massive sleep deprivation, big slog, so, big slog. Yeah. Uh, they could make
0: it more appealing. They so just more field art. Highlights are on a, in the morning. People, <laughs> a rocket ship to draw on the field oh, as they I think, ride past. No, maybe? look,
1: I think their field art is probably evolved past your depiction of said. Ro- moving on. Well, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty <laughs> lifelike, pretty life now. I don't want to put that um, on social media, Joel. I'm really <laughs> concerned about what Instagram might think of your
0: rocket ship. You mentioned the. Uh, the, the <laughs> rare territory that Jai could find himself in. Only the 10th man ever to do it, to win mm. two in one year, in company with Mercy mm. uh, Our Mercy Our very own Mercy One and the Mirks, same. Uh, Bernard Hino, Miguel Indurain.
1: Mm-hmm. Big and, Meek, uh, that was his nickname.
0: Jacques Unquitel. Mm. That's rare, rare, rare company. Uh, and and I is. just want to talk, we were talking before about teamwork in Spain. Now, Borahans Growers, so... If Jai loses a bit of time early and his overall hopes are, 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 are fading somewhat, mm. is he the type of guy, he seems like he is, to get in behind, I guess, the likes of Keldman, Sergio Higuita, that kind of thing, and, and push their claims?
1: What, what you're asking is, will he throw a tantrum and a little bit yeah, take off? No, I'm kind of asking <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> he's cool as a cucumber, and he's a great... He's got a lot of long-term vision. We sort of mentioned that before around Mariana voss and uh, do you go for the one day races or do you have the longer term vision of these tour riders? And uh, I'm getting excited. I keep whacking the microphone. Apologies <laughs> If you can hear that, sorry people. Uh, and the one thing with Jai is he's got a very big long-term vision. So aside from the fact that he's a good fella and if it's not working for him, he's absolutely part of the team. Yep. Strategically, you don't really want to be known as the teammate who chucks a tanty and won't support the other riders like it's not good on your current team it's not good for any future prospects uh, so even if it pained you yeah it's the smart thing to do but he's a nice fella he would absolutely throw his weight behind but they've also got Sam Bennett uh, for the sprints so I actually think that they've considered uh, a few different options for their Welter.
0: I left one out of the list really quickly your mate Froomey mm. 2017 the double
1: I know I'm big. I'm such a big fan of from We'll cover him in our greatest comebacks, right? He's oh, got to 100%, 100%. be there. But he had such great form in the tour. Yeah, I wouldn't write him off for a stage win here.
0: That would be pretty. Oh, special, that would be a moment. It yeah. really would be. Uh, yep. Let's look at Citroen's honorary Aussie Ben O'Connor. Now mm. loved him. He was one of my first. This guy, get a statue mm. up as soon as you possibly can because <laughs> yes. he's amazing. Now he tore a glute. Pulled out of the tour, nine stages in. He's coming mm. back painful, painful territory. What do you think he can do?
1: Look, I think if he is on form that he definitely could be on the podium. I think we just need to give him uh, the space to ride into his form and see if, it is, if his body is good. Because sometimes those small injuries that aren't as obvious take the longest to functionally come good. Because you can do enough that your body keeps going, but then it takes quite a lot of work to undo um, some of your motor patterns and neural patterning and that sort of stuff. So yeah. I think that definitely if if all is good, um, but if he struggles a bit, then I don't think we should write him off for his future hopes. I yeah. think we should just say, take some time, take some do time. the rehab and see you next year.
0: You've, you've done a glute. We know you're bummed about it. <laughs> But uh just just, just do <laughs> what you need to one. do to come back. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh Jack Haig, third overall last year, not 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 partaking.
1: No, nah, he spent more time on the trainer than he has on the road recently. He's just not ready. Yeah. And so good. I'm glad that uh he was able because sometimes the teams push them pretty hard to come back. And I'm glad that Bahrain victorious and not uh pushing him not to do pushing. that. Not you know, pushing him to be victorious. Oh, <laughs> I'm they're, they're barring to keep up.
0: him from anyway. Moving on. Uh, you know who won't be there now. This is another a bit of sad news, but also a, 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 a lovely moment, a lovely career. Uh, Dutchman Tom de and your mate Tom uh, has <sighs> called an immediate end to his pro career this week, Kate. Uh, he wanted to make it to Wollongong.
1: He has. He's pulled stumps. I think mostly he wanted to end on his terms. Yeah. For him. Wollongong was very symbolic. He was the world individual time trial champion uh, in 2017, uh, the same year he won the Giro. He then took quite a big break, a significant career break for mental health, which just shows an enormous amount about his character that he felt comfortable to do that and be very public about it as well. But when he came back to the sport, his re-entry, if you will, was to get a silver medal in Tokyo. Uh, in, the, in the individual time trial. And that was an emotional moment. That really got me. Yep. That was so special. To me, as a fan, you could see that that meant more to him than his Juro victory. It was just one of those moments where he'd proven to himself that he still had it. Yep. And so I think his affinity with the time trial is to finish his career in a fairytale way with that time trial.
0: And not every athlete gets the fairytale finish. Oh, That's most do he, no. he had a shocking crash, training crash last... September, uh, and he's 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 basically said, it's one too many. It's I, I, my, mm. my tank's empty, my legs are heavy. Sounds like an Eminem song. These <laughs> weak, arms are heavy. Uh, training <laughs> session's not working out as I hoped. I want to ask, because he, he abandoned in Italy, uh, was the writing on the wall at that stage?
1: I think to a degree. Um, but I think we always knew, like he'd always flagged that there'd be a retirement. You know, he wasn't going to be Valverde. He wasn't going to be riding, still racing in his forties or even late thirties. But for him, the world championships in Wollongong were a very, it would have been such a beautiful romantic way for him to finish, not just on his terms, but on an event that meant so much. Yep. He's, you know, 50% of the way okay. on his terms. So the worst thing he could have done is push on to Wollongong and go badly. Because that is so much worse than just saying I've had a fantastic career. I've got nothing to prove to anyone, including myself, which is the most important thing, and I'm done. But I'm bummed. Yeah, It's like, I, you know, I, I don't fangirl much. I really don't. But there's some athletes I just respect so much, and he's one of them. And I haven't seen him perform. You know, I haven't seen him ride an individual time trial in real life, yep. and I would have loved that.
0: Well, uh, selfish you, view. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm, yeah. I'm
1: glad for him that he's retired.
0: You're bummed, but not in the. You haven't torn a glute. You're genuinely sad that he's. Okay, Ex- good. I want <laughs> uh, to you, ask. You know, you went out injured. Is it, is it a case of when you know, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're honest with yourself, yes, when you know, you know. Yeah. It took me, I was injured for quite a while. It took me quite a number of months to come to peace with myself that I'd done everything. If I backtracked, I could probably, you know, look back six months earlier and think could have pulled the pin then and yeah. saved us all <laughs> um, a lot of training pain and, and so on. But I do think that as a writer, for the most part, you know, when your body's done, you know, when your mind is done, it turns into a chore. And I'm not just talking about waking up and not really feeling it for training. I'm like waking up these are the moments where you're waking up you're counting how many hours until you can go back to bed you're strategizing about how to even get out of bed because your body is done you can't go training without um, music or earphones or distraction because then you're stuck in your own head you you won't go training on your own because you know that you won't finish the ride but you also don't want to go training with anybody because you want to be able to Go home if you can. It's it's a horrible space to be in. And I worry, to go back to the very start where we were with transfer season, I worry that Mark Cavendish is putting himself in a position where he doesn't get to choose his exit. And I think that would be a great shame for him.
0: Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely, with, with, with his stats. And, and yeah. on stats, you mentioned uh, 2017 Giro World Time Trial champs, three tour stages, two Welter stages, four Dutch National Time Trial titles, Olympic silver medal, Congratulations to him. What an outstanding career. Indeed. He won't be in Wollongong. Let's finish on the road. No de Moulin.
1: No Vingagore. No Vingagore. But he's not a one-day rider. So it's very important, I think, to consider that World Championship course design is essentially designed for as many people to potentially win as possible. Uh, not a really specialist course for someone like Vingco. Well, no. More importantly,
0: you had planned a big barbecue, big family, a big family reunion.
1: reunion. It'll he's, have he's to be Cecily and I, <laughs> Madame Utrecht Ludwig. Uh, but it is—it's a month to go, Joel. Yeah. Um, all the volunteers are lined up. I believe they're starting their training on the weekend, uh, which is very exciting. Next week, the team is named, uh, the Aussie team. So that'll be something for us to uh, debate with people, whether they made the right decisions or not, throw some selectors under the bus or congratulate them. Let's not preempt what might happen. Um, But some pretty exciting stuff happening in that month countdown.
0: We were talking about Alex and uh, Amanda Spratt, of course, earlier. Uh, Yep,
1: two that we hope to see there.
0: uh, Yeah, riding into form. Now, quickly, Anna Meek,
1: Von Vloten. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I mean, every social media post, she's, I'm getting ready for Wollongong. And there's very few things that she's ever said, this is my goal, that she hasn't achieved.
0: Oh, dear. Ominous. Ominous.
1: It might be the magpies. We'll have to give them a uh, magpie warning pack.
0: Well, can attest that part of the world, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Everywhere. We'll do a magpie (laughs) cautionary episode. Yes, indeed. Very soon. Kate Bates. Always a pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure. Can On you believe it? Uh, Six episodes. Six. Onto the welter sleep deprivation for the next month. So God speed to us.
0: Bring it. Bring this it. is the Wheelhouse Podcast. My name is Joel Spreber. Kate Bates is here as well. We'll see you again uh, in a week or so.
1: In a week.